All right, all right, all right. Welcome back. It's Fit Nation. All right, all right, all right, all right. Season two of the Misfit Nation continues. Be sure to subscribe to our show on your favorite podcast apps. And of course, subscribe to our YouTube channel, the underscore Misfit Nation. That's the underscore Misfit Nation. So you will stay up to date with all episodes and our great guests as they release. Our next guest is an independent certified coach, teacher, trainer, and speaker with the John Maxwell team. By using transformation initiatives, As empowerment tools, she impassionately equips individuals, organizations, and ministries to unlock their full potential and live out their mission in the most authentic way. So without further ado, let's welcome Lakita Monley to the Misfit Nation. Hey, hey. I am super happy to be here, Rich. Thank you so much for having me. Thank you for coming on. It's always great to have uh, one of the family come on, especially one that's doing great things outside outside of the military realm. uh, I didn't mention that you are a mom of five, a grandmother of five. It's a, that's a lot of work right there alone. And then doing all the other things you do on top of that, you have like seven full-time jobs. Listen, the other stuff is what I do to relax. Like <laughs> the other stuff is what I do to relax. The family part, that's the hard work. That's the actual work. That's the actual work. Cracking the, the whip and doing part. things. Yeah. So, Lakita, if you don't mind, uh, introduce yourself to the, the Misfit Nation. Tell us a little bit about yourself and as far back as you want to go to where we are now. Wow. So, thank you. Like, you know, like you said, uh, the things, the bits about me that are the most important to me um, are the fact that I am a proud Army spouse. Uh, tw- my husband served 24 plus years active duty Army. And along that journey, you know, we produce five little people that aren't that little anymore. They're actually yeah. five adult children and five grandchildren and those things, um, those roles and those hats, uh, being a military spouse and, and, and mom have shaped me really into the individual that I am today um, as a minister of the gospel and a John Maxwell um, certified coach, speaker and trainer. I, I would be probably no good um, as a John Maxwell coach. I probably wouldn't have even been introduced to John Maxwell or um, been inspired to become a part of the John Maxwell team if it had not been for some of the experiences, the lived experiences through being an army wife. Because it's all about resilience. You know, for a, a, a time, I was a master resiliency instructor um, for a little bit of time. So, yeah, I mean, that's, that's kind of who I am in a nutshell. Everything else, like I said, the other stuff, that's what I do to relax and just help people on the journey. So, it's it's like the being the army spouse there's that's like one sticker that I would have put on my truck if that was the thing that I would have done and it's the hardest job in the army is being an army wife and when you were and my husband is an old it's an old school NCO old old school you know when they told you your family got issued to you NCO (laughs) you know they didn't get issued to you you know they weren't a part of this agreement. So you, you deal with them when we tell you to deal with them. That's when my husband joined. Well, and in that, we had to learn to be resilient, self-sufficient. There was a lot of things that went into being uh, a good NCO's wife that um, unfortunately, and new army, new spouses, they don't have that. And so I adopted 
sometimes a second, third, or fourth family unintentionally, <laughs> especially when it came down to deployments and long NTC rotations, JROTC rotations, you know, going out, um, you guys going out and playing war before you go to war. <laughs> Especially old school, 30 days in the field. <laughs> yes, you know, 30 days in the field. That was just enough time for me to rearrange a couple of, you know, some furniture and clean off the boots from the last field deployment. That somehow <laughs> I don't understand what you guys don't understand to take the mud off. You at the wash rack. Get the mud off your shoe. Uh, well, I got that speech a lot. <laughs> <laughs> but so, you know. My husband joined back in the early 90s. He joined back in the early 90s when Kuwait was still a rotation. Yeah. <laughs> it, was, it was a deployment, a hardship to a rotation is when he came in. So through all of Kuwait, Bosnia, Kosovo, and then bring us to the, you know, the war on two fronts, deploying, you know, life is still really happening. So I had two choices. It was either grow up, or fold up. Yeah. Now, those are the choices. Grow up or fold up. The third choice that a lot of spouses wanted was, you know, the army needs to be more considerate. Well, they're kind of at war, so that can't happen. <laughs> I'm not trying to minimize the experience. Please, right. please, please understand. I hope your viewers don't think, well, this lady's crazy. <laughs> <laughs> I come from that same school. I joined in uh, 93, so I understand wholeheartedly. Exactly. You know, it, it's, it was either the last thing that my husband needed or anybody else in our family needed was if he was, you know, in a, no matter which one of those environments he was in. And our first duty station was for the, and he was in the cab. Oof. So, <laughs> <laughs> like, Fort Hood in the cab, that's 13 hours. Yeah, all day. <laughs> all day, all day. Oh, for fun, you know, let's go do the family fun run. I, that's not fun for me. I don't want to meet you people there at <laughs> six o'clock in the morning. You're the, for the commander's fun run. All day. <laughs> yeah, and he's a marathon runner. Who want to do that? I don't want to do that. <laughs> but, you know, those, those experiences, um, it taught me a lot. It was some rough times, but it was a lot of good times. A lot of the good definitely outweighed the bad, hence the 24 plus year career. Um, in those experiences, again, they've shaped me, they mold me uh, into the woman that I am today. So that while my husband was out um, serving our great nation, um, doing the thing that we truly believe God called him to do. Home was home. So I needed to be able to keep home together. In order to do that, I had to keep me together. I had to keep our children together. So, you know, nobody was getting the crazy phone calls from bill collectors or I'm not breaking down, crying and finding the support systems that work, you know, and those are some of the tools um, that I learned in, in becoming a John Maxwell coach and becoming a minister. I was able to articulate them better and not as aggressively as I had in the past. <laughs> <laughs> so do you think your, your experiences early on as a military spouse led you to become a coach and help others? Absolutely. 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 Because like I said, you, you end up adopting a family even before, you know, 
Um, that was back in the day where corporal was heavily used. Yes. So <laughs> <laughs> abused, not just used. Abused, yes. <laughs> you know, all the work and none of the pay. Mm -hmm. You know, and some of those young guys, um, and not that we weren't young at the time ourselves, we were, but generally they were younger. And I'll never forget this one incident. I am and I I am not again, people, I'm not ever been active duty, but soldiers do some interesting things. <laughs> And my husband was a corporal at the time and his soldier, um, I'm going to call him B. So, cause in case he hears this podcast, he'll know I'm talking about him, but I won't say his name. He was hard head, knucklehead. And he knew they were having a layout. So they had spent the entire, because he was in trouble. So it was just for him. He spent the entire time of lunch and a little extended at my house, preparing for this. They're having this discussion. My husband's squaring him away. And he did not check his socks, Rich. Oh, man. <laughs> <laughs> he didn't check his socks. He had a white socks. Oh, my gosh. <laughs> so, needless to say, after that failed experience for the both of them, because everybody got in trouble, right? Yeah. Come back from the motor pool after work. My husband's hot. The soldier's head is hanging low. It's like, ma'am, I didn't. I didn't have any clean. You couldn't buy a pair, borrow a pair. <laughs> Someone had a pair. <laughs> Somebody had a pair. And so I began to adopt children unintentionally <laughs> to help them grow because that's really what we are, right? Your kids yeah. thrust into the situation where you're forced to grow up really quickly. Um, and that human nature against says, I'm, I'm a grown ass man. I'm a grown ass woman. Who are you to tell me what to do? right now in my life. And this is my first time being away from home. So we ended up adopting uh, a lot of extra children along the way, other than the ones that we were producing. And since I'm in this situation as a leader, and I'm not the service member inadvertently, even with their wives, um, I needed to learn how to be a leader in that environment and how to better serve my army community, which I, um, I was introduced to John Maxwell through the local church that we were attending at the time. And a lot of his books were used as uh, training tools. And so I loved the material. Fast forward a lot of years, the opportunity presented itself. And it's like, wow, you know, a lot of these principles that John teaches and preaches on communication and, and personal growth and accountability and partnership, those are things that life taught us as my husband progressed through the ranks, you know, from fresh out of AIT to the time of his retirement as a first sergeant, we learned a lot of stuff on the fly. A lot of life lessons. <laughs> a lot of life lessons, lots and lots of life lessons that, um, yeah, now that, um, over the last couple of years that I've been a John Maxwell coach and speaker and trainer, also still attributed to my husband's military career, um, us being able to live around the country and around the world and um, being fortunate enough to be allowed to be in certain spaces and networking in certain places that open up the opportunity for me to become the international speaker and, and to be able to speak and um, coach on that international level. But again, the John Maxwell wouldn't have happened if I had not been an army spouse and, and, live that life and experience those things 
it definitely wouldn't have happened if you would have chose the option to fold. Like you said, yeah. earlier, you, can, you either go with it or fold and you chose to go with it and stay strong and mm -hmm. build your, like you said, the family is very important, not just your core family, but that entire military family. And like yes. you were saying earlier about adopting soldiers and their families along the way and trying to make sure they don't make the same mistakes that you might've made when you were first starting out or that you've seen others make uh, when they were starting out to Absolutely. make sure they were moving on the right trajectory up and not uh, crashing into walls and, exactly. and having socks, of course. Yes. Can <laughs> that we, can that we helps out a lot. <laughs> yes, and, absolutely. Because you, you know, we don't, we don't think about it, whether it's um, young NCOs or young officers, oftentimes that duty station is the very first duty station and they've not been away from home. Even the young officers that come out of college, they think they're ready to adult. Those young LTs and they're really no. not ready to adult. They're hitting brick walls. And it's like, wow, you know, even my time, even my husband was fropped a couple of times. Even in that, some of the young um, captain's wives and I'm older than her at this point. I'm significantly yeah. older than her. You know, she's fresh out of college and you tell them to go lead a group of women that are just like her. <laughs> <laughs> They've already cleaned enough boots for a while. <laughs> yes, you know, and it you you find yourself in those you know unexpected uh, mentorship positions. So had I folded because I was eighteen when I became a wife, yeah. <laughs> I was eighteen, had one kid and one kid on the way. My husband was whole E4. <laughs> and back then, was the pay no wasn't like it is now. <laughs> yes. You know, you know, back in the day, housing wasn't plentiful. As a matter of fact, it was upside down. The people that had the rank got first position of priority on the housing list. And those that did not have the rank, oh, you go live in town, but you better not miss the bill because I'm giving you Article 15. What? <laughs> and then you, you can't live in this place, this place, this place, or this, this place. place this place, this place. Yeah. Yes, and those are all of the places that you can fit afford. in my budget. Yeah, <laughs> I will come to ACS and, and get and and we can help you. Oh, you're not financially fit. Oh, we're gonna write you up. I'll never make it. So much. <laughs> yeah. And then you said I couldn't. Then you said my husband can't get a second job. What do you mean? <laughs> <laughs> we'll give you pots and pans you can borrow. I need a space to live. <laughs> pot and pan if they have any value to me, right? So. Like, you know, like you're saying, just these experiences and learning and growing from them, I still wouldn't change it because it matured us in a way that I don't think any other life experience would have. It matured us as, as individuals. It matured us as couples because we're 500 miles away from home. I'm born and raised um, from Macomb, Mississippi. 500 miles away from home. You know, in the 90s, there was no free anything in a phone call. No, yeah. <laughs> so we couldn't call home all the time. Why, you know, internet, what's internet? <laughs> exactly. <laughs> right? <laughs> that 10 cent a minute didn't happen until after seven and you still didn't have the 10 cents. So. <laughs> <laughs> and that wasn't to the late 90s. <laughs> yes, exactly. The yeah. late 90s. So it forced us to grow up. It forced us to mature and depend on one another. And it forced the cohesiveness between um, the soldiers. Right. And even, you know, in the NCOs and the officers at that time, it forced the cohesiveness because we're all 
not where home is. And so you're either going to form the family or like, like I said, you're going to fold right? and fold and go back to what though? Exactly. <laughs> go right back into another rut, another spiral that you're, you can't get out of because you keep quitting. Exactly. You'll never make it if you keep doing that. Do you think being at uh, the great place first and then uh, then going overseas, was that a better step than going overseas first and then going back to hood? Absolutely. Absolutely. Um, we were stateside for a number of years before we went <laughs> overseas as a family. And I saw that. I mean, you know, I, my opinion matters anywhere. I think it does a young service member, officer, or enlisted a disservice to let that first duty station be an overseas assignment. I think it does them a tremendous disservice. It sets them up for failure. Yes, definitely (laughs) does. You know, you're 18, 19, 20, 21. You know, like I said, depending on where you're coming in at, and you sit me smack dab in the middle of Mannheim, (laughs) Heidelberg, Wiesbaden, you know, Grafenbeer, K-Town, you, you sent me over there, Okinawa, going down to Italy, and life is not America. And then you tell me, don't do that, but that's out there. What? Don't get in trouble, but okay. okay. <laughs> yeah, you know, you send me to Korea and you yes. show me the whole strip and say that's off limits, but it's out there. <laughs> what? It's off limits to you. <laughs> yes, right. And by, oh yeah, by the way, you're in, you know, you're in the host nation, and so you have to live to this this higher standard. I'm just learning how to be an adult. Yes. <laughs> I think Korea was the worst place to send someone on their first duty assignment. Yeah. Especially yeah. the 18 to 20 year old, because they go buck wild when they get there and yeah, they wind do. up coming back the same rank they left as, if not yeah. just out of the army. If just not out of the army. And yeah. we saw it a lot. Um, our first overseas assignment, um, my husband is an uh, intel analyst. And so our first overseas assignment as a family was England. He was over there um, at NATO. So those, the army did not have as a joint assignment, the army did not have brand new soldiers over there. But I saw it in the Air Force. I saw it in the Navy, young service members. Then, you know, the drinking age over there is real look. It's over, you tell them, you over the counter. Yeah, exactly. <laughs> if you could order it, you can get it, right? And you tell them, don't go to the pub. <laughs> don't enjoy it. <laughs> go enjoy Europe and see the size, but you better not drink. Yes. What? <laughs> don't blend in. <laughs> don't, yeah. You know, don't do that. You can, I'm like, you guys know better. Yeah. Like, and now the, so the, the service member is in trouble for what? You did it. You know, you shouldn't have let him come over here. You shouldn't have let him or her come over here. Or, you know, I'm just away from home. Not only is it a culture shock, but oh, I'm gonna. In there is no anything negative meant by this, but I've fallen in love because I'm this young service member, male or female. And I'm out of the country for the first time. And I have this delightful new selection of humans to look at. Yes. <laughs> and all this new candy. All this new eye candy to look at. Like, and that accent is amazing. And next thing you know, I'm married. 
and I can't afford it. <laughs> and I can't afford it. Yeah. But, and they're not sponsored. And oh yeah, they don't quite have all of their real documents. So I can't even get you command sponsor because we can't start this process. And so now you're stuck at this duty station for the next little while until we figure out. <laughs> and now you're in trouble. It's like, I don't understand why the powers that be have not figured out in all of the years of the military that it's not a bright idea. <laughs> the central service member. You'd think at some point the light bulb would come on and say, don't do this, but don't do this. They keep you know? spinning the wheel. It's like the wheel of fortune. Who are we gonna who are we gonna mess up this year? All right. Private yep. Jones, it's you this year. Good to you. Yeah. <laughs> we're, we're sending you over, we're sending you to Thailand, we're sending you here, we're sending you there. Like, nah, you know, they should be at least any five before they go. Yeah, get and some experience somewhere. Fingers crossed that you still make a good decision then. <laughs> <laughs> or at least have been with a good NCO before they get sent Beforehand. over. Beforehand. They get yeah. some baseline to grow, to grow before they fail. To <laughs> grow the, instead of failing to grow yeah and it and you brought up a really good point um our first overseas assignment i did not realize that um and i did mention that my husband is an old school nco so there's ranking structure to even how the spouses do business so we walk into a spouse's i'm invited to go to a spouse's meeting because he's a senior enlisted leader for nato down at that nato infusion center right so i'm showing up for the spouse's um meeting well, it was weird, number one, that it was a mixed meeting. Weird, and I hadn't determined whether or not it was good or bad way yet. It was just different because I had never experienced that before. But then it got really weird when the leader of the Spouses Club um, was E4's wife. Yeah. <laughs> you know, I'm looking around, like, and I'm at the meeting. We're PCS season, so a lot of us were new. The commander's wife was new. I was new. And then on the Air Force side, because it was an Air Force installation, you know, that the post commander there was new. The wife was new. And so was their, um, I forget what the Air Force calls their sergeant major, but their sergeant major. We're looking at each other like, what just happened? We in the right place. <laughs> <laughs> Who did this? <laughs> Who did this? <laughs> that, that's a strange one right there. <laughs> and it didn't work. Yeah. It didn't work because they were not ready for that type of responsibility and that type of leadership. And I'm sure they thought they were until they realized. Because they went, took a class. Until they realized you know, their, their audience. <laughs> yeah. You know, you, they took a class and that class did not prepare them. So life experiences, that was another bit of life experiences because now she was army. Who let that happen? Right. So now, you know, there's another child that I have adopted that doesn't even know she needs help and by the time she figured it out her time was almost up and she was ready to just throw the position she didn't care who caught it just <laughs> it was her. the bouquet was in the air it didn't matter it was in the air it was it was in the air you know you still have you know you, we still have kids you still have responsibilities there like you know for us the most work that i did was with our FRG during the times of deployments um, from, from 03 to when we left. My husband had just come back from deployment when we PCS in 2010. And it's a really stressful time there. That's a really, really stressful time for 
the spouses, for the service members. And that grew you up quick. Whatever pieces of growth and maturity that I did not have when my husband left to go on his first deployment and he was a staff sergeant at that time, we both grew in ways and we both experienced trauma in ways that we could not even have imagined in that moment. Like um, one of the scariest moments for me, he was fourth ID this time when we came to Fort Hood. He was fourth ID. And so he was with that OIF1, that initial invasion. And so, you know, you guys were making the roads, you were doing everything coming in. And he had his time to call me on the set phone. And you could hear the incoming. I've been at Fort Hood, so I know what it sounds like. That's like, okay, I, I wasn't scared by that, oddly enough, because it's so familiar. But when it was getting louder and louder, I knew it was getting closer and closer, and then the line cut. Uh, <laughs> that doesn't oh, help. Oh, <laughs> my God. <laughs> I about lost my mind. Because you can't, you can't call back. They say you can't dial it back. So you can't you know, dial it back. You're at a loss. So then you have to wait and hope. And hope. And what in the world just happened? Right. Did my husband just die on the phone with me? Are you kidding me? Are you kidding me? Like, what is really going on? What am I going to do? What, I, what am I going to tell my kids? We got five kids. What am I going to tell his, my mother in law? My God, you know. I was just walking and pacing in the living room in my house, losing my mind because it's the middle of the day. My kids were at school. Nobody was home but me. There's only so much you can clean. Yeah, it's only so much you can clean. And then at that point, because you understand how the training command works, like, do I stir this pot or don't I stir this pot? Who do I call? I, I know I need to put a call into somebody, but I already know they're not going to tell me what they know, even if they know something. So do I do that to myself? So then you just wait and see wait. what type of communication is going to happen um, at that point. Um, the OIC of my husband's shop, me and his wife were pretty close. Um, and we did end up texting each other um, just to see, you know, when those generic texts came through, you know, like, hey, girl, how you doing? You can try to discern from the message. Yeah, same thing happened to you too, didn't it? <laughs> <laughs> you got a bad <laughs> call too at the wrong time. At the wrong time, you know, and then you, you're freaked out for the next however long it takes to get that response. Every time the doorbell rings, every time somebody knocks at the door, you know, you're peeking, trying to see, you know, who's at the building, you know, who, what kind of car is out there? Right. How many people are out there? You know, it's two people. It's three people. Oh my God, don't let it be three people. Um, it, it's, it's really frustrating. And that's the time where, like I said, I grew up the most, not just because of my traumas for us as a family, but even for those um, service members that did not come home. Right. And so we were here to be able to spend that time with their families and help them grieve through that process. The one of the, one of the first, um, the first actually uh, death that came out of our church, the service member was the wife and they had three girls. Oh, wow. You know, and we were all small group. And so they were in our small group 
and we mapped out this plan. Okay, you know, we're going to help you this week. We'll get the girls and do the hair that week, this one. And then as a group, we got notified because she was in the same unit as my husband. So he was like, hey, babe, sis didn't make it. You need to be ready to go to, and I was like, wow. What do you do with that? Like, what do you do when you're 18, 19, 20, 21, 22? You have to grow up and you have to have people around you that can't help you do it. In those deployments and those babies are there, you know, by the time he gets to the second, third deployment and the parents are coming in, they fresh out of AIT, don't even have a full TA-50 issue, but they're going anyway. You go get it in right when you get to Kuwait and you have the parents there and I'm left with, Hold, you know, I don't want to say hold in the bag because they want to know, please bring my child home. And you can't, you can't guarantee that. Yeah. It's a hard ask. Just, yeah. It's it's a hard ask. And so like you guys are moving forward. You've already moved forward and your mind is on the mission, but these parents are still here. And if you've exchanged numbers and text messages and emails, you know, what do we tell them? And how do you manage that? Like it puts you in a leadership position that you you didn't even know that it came with the job. Like, I just thought my job was to be a wife. Yeah. And be inspirational support to the other wives. <laughs> to the, yeah, to the other wives and to the other, you know, parents um, of the young, of the young uh, service members that are coming in, you know, because they want to know. And, uh, you know, you're, this is your husband's. How many times has he been for you? You've done this before. Yes, ma'am. So is everything going to be all right? And, you know, by God's grace, ma'am, by God's grace. That's what, you know, that's what you can tell them. And there's only so many ways you can tell them that. It's different every time. So. Every time. Yeah. Every time. So, but yeah. So like I said, my experience as a military spouse, for sure. It as, definitely, as a wife and as a I mom. Think, I think all that made you into what you are now and pushing a, as a trainer, a motivational speaker now. Uh, I mean, during the last two years, I'm sure you weren't able to get up in front of large groups, but were you able to do it via Zoom like we're doing now or still getting booked around the world? Still getting booked via Zoom and, um, you know, different people are using different platforms, but, and this is definitely doing it via Zoom is a different experience, but um, by and large, it's, it actually helped me to be able to reach more people in more spaces, um, because I could do it from the comfort of home and right. it's less expensive for companies and organizations to have to fly me out versus, Hey, can you talk on this topic and of purpose, activating destiny, leadership, entrepreneurship, you know, just, you know, just whatever the case may be, whether it's um, organizations that are wanting to grow their teams um, say in organizational communication. Right. And the team, we need to work on that. Uh, DINE, diversity, equity, and inclusion, or, you know, just some specific leadership training, just whatever the case is, then I, I bring that to the table. Like, again, and it, it comes from the blessing of being a military spouse. So yeah, when you're a host nation, you get to work with people. You have no choice. <laughs> you have no choice. You, you know, you, you have no choice but to work with the local nationals because they're working on the installation with you. And if you are fortunate enough to get the proper documentation so that you can then work off post, right. you definitely 
living and operating and working and having to deal with diverse people um, from diverse culture. And that was just, again, had I not had that experience as a military spouse living and working abroad, um, I don't, I know that I would not be as effective as I am as a speaker and coach um, because we were coming into different corporate settings. We have people in, from diverse cultures, diverse places, um, and we have to be able to uh, be able to help them effectively. And, and understand uh, the difference in cultures as well as you're speaking to them and being immersed into society. As you said, if you were able to work off base, off the installation overseas, that helps a lot because then you actually understand their why or, or who they are at that point. And then when they ask for help, then you can kind of tap and get in there and say, look, this is how we do it. And based mm-hmm. on what I've learned from you, I think you can do this. Mm-hmm. Absolutely. Other, yeah. Otherwise you're just spinning a wheel. <laughs> you're spinning your wheel. Yeah. You know, yeah. we, we purposely chose to live off installation in Germany and in England. And I'm so glad for that reason, like we want to, if I'm going to be here, I want to be here. Right. I want to be here. I want to learn what I can learn. I want to, I want to know the local nationals. I want to eat your food. I want to know what you do for fun. I want to learn your slang terms. Like <laughs> I want to live life the way that you live. Like I'm an American all day, every day. When this assignment is over, I'm going home. Right. I know how to be an American, but what I want to know is how do you live life? How do you do life? Why do you do it like that? And what's our common, you know, what's our middle ground? What's the common denominator between both of us? Between both of us. One of the best experiences we had living overseas, two experiences, one in England. We were in England for 2010 World Cup. Okay. (laughs) Nice. (laughs) Yes. as England was playing America. And so we lived in a little village. And so our neighbors... Of course, they know the Americans that live in the neighborhood. So it was this intense thing going. Great fun. I was learning about soccer as I went. And that was one of the best experiences. The heated um, trash talk leading up into the day. And then while the match is going on, Brits can be really loud. I don't care what they tell you about loud Americans. They have us beat (laughs) Especially when it comes to football. Football. Oh my God, yes. (laughs) And even after the game, you know, we didn't lose. It was a draw, but it was such, such, such great fun. Um, And then in Germany, we lived in this little village called Tomsplit. And, you know, if you've been stationed in Germany, you know about the fests that start happening in the fall through the winter. Right. Our little town had what's called Kirva. And it was the raising of this huge tree, uh, looked like a maypole, but the thing was huge. The tree would be almost as long as the street. Wow. (laughs) Well, by the time it was time for Kirva, we had been in our little village for some months and they had accepted us in. And Germans, they either like you or they don't. (laughs) There's no in between. No break. We get that knock on the door (laughs) and they're there, the men and the guys are there to get my husbands with the and my sons with the beer. It's early in the morning. Why are you just drunk this early in the morning? It didn't matter. <laughs> it was good fun. It was time to raise the care. It was time to go get the tree, prepare the tree, and raise the tree. And they did it all old school by hand. So oh, this wow. is an entire tree <laughs> and planting it like the maypole in this hole in the ground outside of the huntsman's club. Best experience ever. Definitely. Yeah. 
Man, I, I'd love to. I never got to stay, be stationed in Germany. I went there for TDY for 30 days after I became a contractor. That was my longest time there. Other than that, my plane broke down, so I was there six hours. <laughs> <laughs> it's it, it's it's a great experience, but it, it's our experiences that help to craft us and to Definitely. the people that we are, whether they're negative experiences or positive experiences. I've learned that it's the takeaways. Like, you know, how did you grow in that? Did I look for the opportunity, the learning opportunity, the growth opportunity in the midst of that adversity? Right. You know, and take that and then be able to move forward. That's what I would say to the spouses and the family members of the service members. Um, And that's what I say to my clients. You have to take whatever the experience that happened to you. You can't change it. Right. I don't care who you believe or what you believe. We cannot travel in the past, so you can't go and change it. But we can and do have full control over the way we think about it, the way we process it, what we take away from it, and how can it bring value to our life. And how can we prevent that from happening again in the future? That part. That part there. That (laughs) That part. (laughs) Yeah, that part. Because if I learn, I won't keep doing that same thing over and over and over and over again. We, yes we hope, we hope. <laughs> we some hope people so. some people need help in that area <laughs> a little bit a little yeah bit. they do they do i mean but now, I, mean, I, I mean uh my first two tours to korea i went on my own and uh i was just you know a young sergeant the first time so i drank a lot and hung out with the guys that my other ncos second time it was mostly business but drank on my sergeant major a lot and the third time my wife and daughter came with me i became tour guide barbie in Korea <laughs> and because the first two times I didn't go anywhere <laughs> second the third time I went everywhere I've seen every part of Korea and I immersed with them we went everywhere in Korea then we went to Thailand we went to China on the way home we went to Hawaii so it was a great tour and then right from as soon as I got home I got deployed to Afghanistan so the fun ride ended and there I was gone 60 days later <laughs> well at least you had the fun ride part out of the way like, yeah definitely yeah fun things and that's that's um and that's something else like with with my coaching clients um from the standpoint a lot of people want to do one-on-one coaching with me for that transformational piece like this is where I am this is where I want to be I don't know the pieces in the middle and it's all about enjoying the new experiences exploring opportunities um and some of my clients will look at I don't I don't really know what I like or who I am or what I want for a long time, I didn't understand that. How can you be a whole adult and not know who you are? How you lost? You too big to get lost. Yeah. How you do that? That happened. At age 25, I figured out I had no idea who I was right. <laughs> at all. I was a wife, a mother of five, had a dog I was halfway, didn't like, you know, <laughs> you know, here we are. My husband's getting ready to go on his first deployment to Iraq, and I realized I had absolutely positively no idea who I was and mostly because I had allowed um, limiting beliefs to keep me from walking a path of self-discovery. I was just wearing hats and, and operating in roles, but I was not living life. I was just going through life, but I wasn't living life. So you when want I figured that with out, purpose on purpose. Exactly. Right. But while he was gone to Iraq that first time, I was on a discovery tour of who I am. 
And when I discovered that, I was living life with a purpose, on purpose, and absolutely refusing to look back. As bad as, bad as it was that he was deployed, I have to admit that because of the intentionality behind that move, he and I experienced, believe it or not, some of the best times we've experienced. Like we grew closer, if that, if, if that makes sense. Yeah. We, even in the distance, we grew closer because we were having these self-discovery moments. And out of that conflict, we figured out this is what we're going to do as a couple. This is how we're going to help people, like really help people. This is how we're going to help ourselves. This is how we're going to help people. And we're just not going to think about the negativity associated with the world. I just start, even with my kids, we were determined that our kids wouldn't be a factor caught up in that. Like, I don't want to have to take medications for anxiety. I didn't want my kids to live life like that. So it's much positivity and things that we can put in front of them and activities to give them to do. And every opportunity that he had to figure out how to call them and, and communicate with them, we did it. And that's how we got through every deployment that he did. That's great. In a way that, but keep our family healthy. We learned to be intentional. And the separation makes the heart grow fonder. And I think, yeah. uh, especially like like your husband and I, we both joined at a time when you went to the field a lot. And you went, I think we went to the field more before global war and terrorism started than we mm-hmm. did after. And we were gone like yeah. at a moment's notice. You go to work, you might not come home for two weeks without yeah. even knowing it. Without even knowing it. And that that recall was, list was amazing, wasn't it? It was, it was awesome. Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> and that was before a cell phone. So Yes, Absolutely. So there's That's a lot of me. times like my wife had to grow on the fly too. She was 18. We got married and had to grow up real quick and uh, real quick. learn, learn to live on her own. Mm-hmm. I was gone all the time. Mm-hmm. And then when our daughter was born, uh, we had just got to Fort Campbell the first time and I was in the field for 30 days and she yeah. went to labor. So she went to labor a month early. So they actually let me come home and be there for the birth. And they and gave me two back. weeks of just going to PT. So it was good. <laughs> <laughs> My, when our youngest was born, my youngest blessed my husband's life like that. Uh, he was, we were stationed in Fort Lewis before the Lewis McCord yes. and Yakima was a thing. And yeah. you were down in Yakima 30 days at a time. Yeah, and at least, yeah. Just, and David was born in April. It's still cold in those mountains in April. And wet. <laughs> it's still snow on the ground. Yes, yeah. and wet. And I went into labor early. And he was excited. And I know it was not just because his son was coming. It's he can come home. <laughs> he got to come home. <laughs> it's the little like, victories. Yes. <laughs> yes, the small victories. And, and, and you're right. I, I mean, I don't, you, you guys would know more about Op Temple, but just from a spouse's perspective, after he came back and we went to England and Germany, even there, being there and uh, the rotations um, out in that Eastern Bloc, it was nothing like Fort Hood and Fort Lewis and Fort Huachuca pre-9-11. It was totally different. Totally different. Pre-9-11, it was nothing for you guys to be gone. Two weeks, three weeks. Month. Yep. Come back. By the time you cleaned everything up, Repack the connexes. <laughs> you only repacking them because you're going somewhere else. Right. And you, you yeah. knew it. <laughs> you knew it. Yeah. You already knew it. Like, 
I, I, you had no choice. And so I spent a lot of time um, when we were overseas uh, volunteering and coaching young um, NCOs wives and soldiers wives, not just ours, but through ACS. By that time, ACS had programs uh, designed to help them um, get acclimated to what military life looks like, and especially if they were going to step into that role as a spouse's leader uh, or, you know, we call them FRG leaders. I'm going to still call it that, but, you know, as a spouse's leader, what to look for. I spent a lot of time volunteering because there's just things you will have to do on your own. And people often ask, well, you sound like you've been in the military. Well, I was my husband's only study buddy with the way they were in and out of the field and doing, if he was going to make it to any of the boards necessary so he could get promoted, I had to become his living, breathing flashcard. And and uniform fixer. Yep. Uniform. (laughs) There you go. I got the rulers and everything. I hate to see a soldier out of uniform. It's irritating to me. (laughs) Like... (laughs) Like in the days of the BDUs, I have the secret to make that cap just right with the roll up, um, the little roll up cover, the mat that you guys use to lay down before you yeah. put your sleeping bag down. Uh-huh. You some stay flow, wash that bad boy yeah, out, yeah. something some stay flow and mold it around that thing. Don't touch that; it'll be perfect in the morning. <laughs> like, all right, <laughs> all right, right. Like having to do things like that and be his study buddy. I have ARs and FMs all in my head. <laughs> no reason now <laughs> for no reason like for no reason but i thought it was but there were some times when some spouses um they needed the information their yeah. a service member either did not know or was not forthcoming with the information but then you're in the field and this happens well you need to know where to go to get the help that you need you need to know what kind of documents you need to fill out in order to get the help that you need um and not just run to the person in charge because they're going to redirect you right. in a very not nice way. And exactly. then your feelings are going to be hurt. <laughs> so yeah, army wife definitely helped me um, to become who I am today. Yeah. I think, I think so it we, really, it helped you mold into what you are and what you're doing now. And I, I think a lot of people appreciate it. If they don't uh, thank you in person, they probably thank you behind your back somehow. That Lakita is awesome. She did this for me and uh, she helped me be, raise my family without her even knowing it. And I think that's something that it makes your, your smile get bigger. And that's, that's yeah. great. Uh, both you and your husband have served this country. Your husband for 24 years, you said, right? Mm-hmm. Uh, and still serving as a contractor. And then you still doing the great things you're doing. I appreciate you sharing your story with us here on Misfit Nation and taking some of your time. How does someone get in contact with you just to chat with you, maybe? So, uh, they can, the easiest way to chat with me is actually through my social media. Okay. Um, I am the person that is responding to my social media. So if uh, they just Google Laquita Monley, uh, that's my name on every social media platform. I'm on Twitter, I'm on Instagram, I'm on Facebook, and I'm on LinkedIn. Um, and if you want to reach out to me, just message me in the DMs and I will get back to you. You can also go out to my website um, and fill out the contact us form if you'd like. And um, if it's like you said, Laquita, I just want to shoot you an email. Shoot me an email. I'm going to be the one to respond to that as well. So, but for more immediate response from me, real time response, send me a message. Uh, send me a DM on my social media. Website is www.laquitamonley.com. 
thank you again for coming on and uh, enjoy the rest of your evening. You too as well. Thank you so much for having me. It's been great. Uh, love the podcast, love what you're doing. And it's definitely been an honor and a privilege to be here. Awesome. Thank you. Thank you. You know how we do this. Thanks for taking some of your time to spend with us on Fit Nation. Be sure to hit that subscribe button and share the link as much as possible. If you want to, please become a supporter to help us carry this thing on. We appreciate you. If you know someone that brings that energy, has a great story, is an up-and-comer in any industry of music, in the arts, have them reach out to us on TheMisfitNation.com. We will get back to them within one day and get them on here so they can share their story with the world. As always, till next time, be humble, stay hungry, and keep hustling. Because we are... Fit, 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 fit Nation.